0: Every week we go to the scriptures because there we see the person and work of Jesus most clearly revealed. Our sermon this week will be from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 1 through 10. Thus says the Lord, Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, For your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem, or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea, I make the rivers a desert. Their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heaven with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word, him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and if I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace Spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn Heights. Uh, if we haven't met, uh, we'd we'll love to meet you after the gathering. Come on. We are uh, in this Advent season looking at four passages from the book of Isaiah. The, the, these are four passages known as these servant songs. Um, songs are, are passages about uh, this, this uh, figure who shows up in Isaiah, known as a servant. Of the Lord, and Christians have uh, almost universally for 2,000 years seen them as a reference to Jesus, the, the true servant who would come. And now here, here's what's interesting in the book of Isaiah there, there's a shift that happens when you hit chapter 40. And, and Isaiah begins speaking prophetically to Israel in exile, been ripped from their homes. And there's a shift in tone that happens. There's a shift in tone from confrontation to assurance. And each of these servant songs show up in this section where this tone has shifted from confrontation to assurance. The section is about the assurance for people in exile. And this one, the passage we're looking at today from Isaiah 50, it has a particular calling, a particular calling for you, particular calling for me that most of us need to hear and receive this Advent season. So here's how we're going to look at the passage. We're going to look at it like this. Exile, Advent, calling. Exile, that's verses 1 through 3. Advent, that's 4 through 6. Calling, 7 through 10. And so let's talk exile. Um, As we look at Um, At this passage, we're going to see the sort of spiritual and uh, emotional progression of the experience of exile that Israel goes through, and it's very helpful, I think very practical for all of us, and so let's jump in verse 1. Verse 1, thus says the Lord, where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I have sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Now, this is God speaking to Israel, and here's what he's saying. Where's the the proof that I divorced you? Where's the proof that I sold you off? Now, I think it's a fair question to ask. why, Why, if we're just sort of taking chapter 50 as this unit, is that where he jumps out the gate with? Um, it's because this, this section is sort of the continuation of what came before it, not sort of the continuation. it is the continuation of what came before it. And in chapter 49:14, this is what it says. But Zion, think people of God, said, "The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me." So God was responding to the posture and the questioning of Israel, Their declaration that my God has forsaken me and forgotten me. See, here's what was going on in Israel this time. They're looking at their situation, looking at their life in exile, looking at their life in ruins, and they're going, let me tell you why this happened. Let me tell you why my life looks the way that it does right now. God's abandoned me. He's abandoned us. He abandoned us, and that is why our life looks the way that it does right now. Lord, this is your fault. You have forsaken us, and now we're in exile. And God is saying, no. No, that's not true. It is your rebellion, your unfaithfulness, your iniquity, your transgressions that led to this. So here's what Israel is doing. If we just sort of dive into the heart of Israel at this time, what they're doing is something that humanity has been a professional at from the word go. Blame shifting. Blame shifting. Um, what, what's going on isn't my fault. Can't be uh, my fault. I, I'm gonna blame somebody else. If I don't have somebody else to blame, I'm gonna roll it right up to God. Blame shifting. This started with Adam and Eve, right? No, 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 not my fault. It's her fault. Well, not my fault. It's a snake's fault. This gets... Um, played out over and over in our life. And so what, what exile begins, it begins with feeling abandoned, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 2. This is where it progresses to. Why when I came, was there no man? Why when I called, was there no one to answer? So it began with feeling abandoned, and now it moves on to God saying, listen, I, I, I was speaking and no one was answering. Why? Why? Here's the way one commentator put it, very practical. uh, That Israel was so busy blaming God for their circumstances that of course they weren't going to listen to him when he's speaking. This is very uh, real life, is it not? They it moved on from seeing him as creator and redeemer to seeing him as the source of their problem, the source of what's going on right now. And when you see someone as the source of the problem, God in particular... You're not going to listen. You're not going to listen, and the problem is going to simply get worse and worse and worse. This plays out with roommates, spouses, siblings, friends all the time. All the time. I, I, I have a problem with my wife. My wife has a problem. We're fighting over something. I, I decide, you know what? Amanda's fault. It's her fault. She did this then you know what's not going to happen? When she comes and has something to say about me to me that I need to hear, I'm not going to listen. I've decided she's the problem. I'm not listening when she speaks. This is what was playing out in the life of Israel at this time. It plays out in our life all the time. So it starts with feeling abandoned. You, you've, you've forsaken us. That's why my life is the way it is. Moves on to, I'm not listening when you speak. I, I'm not listening when you speak to me. But it goes forward and it reaches its climax. Verse 2 again Is my hand shortened that I cannot redeem, or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea, I make the rivers a desert, their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with a blackness. And make sackcloth they're covering. What's happening here? The, the, these are all uh, gentle references back to the Exodus. Listen to this. There's more than just references back to the Exodus, but, but here, listen to what is happening as Isaiah is speaking for God right here. While the allusions to the Exodus are rather general. The Exodus, by the way, is um, Israel was in captivity in Egypt. God comes in through a series of ten plagues and delivers them out uh, of Egypt through these powerful signs and wonders. They had been delivered already out of this slavery. While the allusions to the Exodus are rather general, they also seem unmistakable. The darkening of the sky, the striking of the sea, the stinking of the fish, all seem to be drawn from that experience. It is plain, however, that this experience alone is not what's in the prophet's mind. Its images speak of a conviction that God has, listen to this, such power that neither sea nor sky can withstand him. It is not a matter of how much water is in the ocean or how bright the heavens are at noonday. God can dry up the one and darken the other. Shall the Hebrews and the rest of the world's captives doubt that God has the power to lighten their darkness and water their deserts? You see, here's where exile led to. It, It led to them believing that either God doesn't have the power to deliver or he doesn't want to. Starts with feeling abandoned, leads to um, either God doesn't have the ability to deliver us or he doesn't want to. Isaiah is stepping in and saying, listen, have you forgotten what the Lord has done for you? Have you drifted so far that you have forgotten what the Lord has done for you? Have you forgotten that he has already delivered you once? He has already delivered us. Have you forgotten what the Lord has done? Have you forgotten about the might and the power of God to enter into everything and redeem? Searching question for all of us right there. And this is how spiritual exile happens in our own lives. We look at something going on in our life, unemployment, loneliness, marriage, struggling, you filled in the blank for you, begins with blaming God for what's going on, eventually leads to forgetting the might and power of God to save and redeem forget what he's already done for us and lose sight of his ability to do it over and over and over again in our lives. I suspect this, that for some of us, the year 2020 ha- has been something that has been extremely unfortunate for others. Generally, we've made it through unaffected, but we've looked around and we've seen the struggle that other people have experienced, but I'm guessing that's not most of us. I'm guessing that most of us have made our way through 2020 and are entering in the Advent season this 2020 feeling some degree of spiritual exile. And in that, in that, in our ability to identify with Israel here, we need more in a Christmas season, we need the advent of God, which takes us to the advent of Jesus. And in these few verses, we learn a lot about He, how He came. Starting with, He came as a disciple. Look at verse four. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear those who are taught. This word taught here, um, the the tongue of someone who's taught, ears to hear as those who are taught. The word taught is uh, is the Hebrew word for disciple. It's saying I have the tongue of a disciple. I have the ear of a disciple. What's the point of that? The point is that Advent means that the advent of Jesus is that he he didn't come simply as a man with a new set of religious ideas. He didn't come as a philosopher with a uh, new way to see and think about the world. The advent of Jesus is about God becoming a man, a man who has forged the crucible of life, and he came to sustain the weary. With what? What's in the text? that was for you to answer. That's okay. With a word. To sustain the weary with a word. Listen, you who are weary today, you who are weary, he knows, he understands, he has been there and can experience it. He cares enough to have lived it And in your weariness, here's what you need to see. You need to see that when Jesus was poked, he bled Bible. And you need to let him sustain you by following his example and not the example of Israel, that you would not stop listening when he speaks. Which means that you would not stop opening the Scriptures. That you would not stop opening the Scriptures and letting the Scriptures speak into you and wash Over you. They have the power to sustain the weary sojourner, often in ways that we only see in hindsight. Don't stop opening the scriptures and letting God speak to you day in and day out. He came as a disciple to sustain the weary with a word the words of God. Verse 5 The Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, I turned not backward. This is actually a, a, a really radical claim, uh, this claim of perfect obedience that I did not rebel, I did not turn my back on God, complete faithfulness. This is a claim that no one else in human history has been able to make. Not, not Israel, not Jonah, obviously, not Moses, not Jeremiah, no one. No one. No one has stepped in and made This claim. Jesus came with complete faithfulness to God. And where did it lead him? Verse 6. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Where did it lead him? It led him straight to a cross. D.A. Carson on this verse. Here the servant faces the active spite and fury of evil. It is only one step the reader feels to the cross. Only one step the reader feels to the cross of July. in Mark 15 we read about him being twisted together, a crown of thorns, mocking Jesus, yelling, Hail, King of the Jews, striking him with a reed, spitting on him, stripping him, and then leading him to a cross a cross where he would be crucified, and on that cross, Matthew 27, from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, and about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was Israel's cry in Isaiah 49? You have forsaken me. What is Jesus doing? What is he doing? He was identifying with his people as he delivered his people. He came as the light of the world covered in darkness on the cross. He came as a son of the Father who would cry out, Eli, Eli, lamus for you. For you. He came as a faithful disciple who followed Jesus, followed God all the way to the cross and he would experience the worst exile that any human has ever known any human, for you, for us. Because he did, you can hear and you can embrace the calling of Advent, the calling on your life, on my life, here and now, today. Verse 7, but the Lord God helps me. You, 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 you weary sojourners today, I'm going to read that first line again. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is an ear. He will contend with me. Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary, let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Four times in this passage, in in these sets of verses from four to nine, four times you see the phrase Lord God. A difficult phrase to translate. Some translations you'll see sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord helps me. The sovereign Lord is the one who vindicates me. What's the point? In all that led to the cross, in all that led to the cross in Jesus' life, Jesus never tried to vindicate himself. Never tried to vindicate himself. He trusted God for his own vindication. That he would be, Vindicated one day, and, and he was. And it began three days later when he left that grave. He ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father, and in his reign, and ruled today as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. His vindication is happening and will be made full when he makes all things new, when he returns at the second advent. And because Jesus trusted God all the way into the darkness of the cross, knowing he'd be vindicated by the Father one day, because he did, because he is, you can embrace verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servants? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Let him, let her, who walks in darkness, trust the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Listen, following Jesus right into the Advent season. Here's what it does not mean. It does not mean the end of darkness, of frustration, of injustice, of humiliation, What it means is that you can trust Him in the darkness, in the darkness. He trusted the Father into the darkness of the cross. You can trust Him in the darkness of life today. The calling of Advent again and again, every year, over and over and over again is this, do not cast away your confidence. Wait on the Lord. Put your hope in him. Trust and rely on your God. And listen, do not simply, do not simply trust him to change what you're going through. Trust him in the middle of what you're going through. Don't, don't, don't say, I trust him to bring this to an end. He may or may not bring it to an end. Trust him in the middle of what it is that you're going through. There are times, most of us know this, that it is easy to open the scriptures, read about Israel feeling forsaken, and go, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. It is easy to feel forsaken and abandoned. Some of us in this room for years, for years, we have battled infertility. Listen, pray, pray that God would change that pray. We are praying with you. And and trust him through it. Don't trust him if he changes it. Trust him through it. Some of us, it's loneliness. And I mean, it's been years of a soul-crippling loneliness. Pray for Christ-centered friendships Prioritize people in your parish. Pray and plead for a spouse. And trust him in your loneliness. For some, we have been, since March, gripped with fear over COVID. A paralyzing, gripping fear. Yes, pray that God would protect you. Yes, be wise in your interactions and trust him in your fears. Don't trust him because there's a vaccine on the horizon. Trust him in your fears right now, right here, today. Some of us live with the pain of lost parents or lost children. Pray for healing and for the hope of the resurrection to penetrate your life today. Let yourself cry and cry out to God and trust him in your pain right here, right now, today. Sojourn, there is a clear calling from this text. Trust God in the darkness. The light of the world has come to walk you through it. I thought, in light of our text today, that it might simply be appropriate to close by reading from Romans eight. Romans eight, where Paul expounds on the point of our text today, or at least the application from our text today. And I I wanna ask y'all to do something that's a little not normal. In fact, I know we put a slide up. Could we not use the slide right now? Uh, I would love for you to close your eyes and just hear the words of the Apostle Paul for you, you weary sojourners. Hear it as God's word for you. That is what it is. Romans eight, thirty-one to thirty-nine. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In the Advent season, in this Advent season, season, we have an invitation to trust. We have an invitation to trust. You are being called to trust in the darkness of life. The light of the world has come in the world to walk with you through the darkness, into the darkness. You can trust him. He is trustworthy. Let's pray. Father, we, we do ask, we do ask that you would empower us to trust by the work of your Spirit through the hope in your Son, would you enable us to trust, to trust you in the darkness of life, not simply to bring an end to what we are going through, but through, in the middle of, as we are going through it, would you enable us to trust? Would you give us ears to hear? We need them. We need them so desperately. Would your word... Would your word sustain the weary sojourner? Please, for our good and for your glory, would you do that? We ask in Christ's name, amen. Amen.